what a what a message. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of First Timothy, chapter four. First Timothy, chapter number four. I wish I had time to read the entire chapter. I'll comment on a part of it in just a little while. But for our text this morning, I want you to look with me at verse number 10. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. I don't know if you're familiar with the 19th chapter of the book of Acts or not. If, if it's not familiar to you, you ought to go read that entire chapter sometime. It speaks of Paul being in the city of Ephesus. And of course, now he's writing to Timothy, who became the pastor of that church in Ephesus. While Paul was there, he greatly angered the people because this was the location of the great temple of the goddess Diana. And the people were just in mass hysteria. The people were crying out, great, great is the goddess Diana. And now Paul comes along these years later writing this letter to the pastor of that church. And I want you to notice the reference here in verse number 10 to the living God. And you better believe that Timothy and everyone from Ephesus got the message because this was a city given over to idols to gods made with the hands of man, dead gods. And Paul is writing here about the living God, and our text this morning in the title of the message is where he says, Trust in the living God. Last Sunday morning I preached about God's answer for God's actions. My text was over in Psalms 115 verse 3. Which says, But our God is in the heavens, He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. I mentioned the fact that God either appoints or allows things that we don't expect, things that we don't enjoy, things that we cannot explain. And to endure those things, we have to be willing to accept whatever it is that God allows. In other words, we have to be pleased with what pleases God. God says, I'm going to do what I please. And He can do that because He never makes any mistakes. Then last Sunday evening I preached about the subject of trust from Psalms 118 and verse number 8 where it says it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And after mentioning several things that we cannot trust, I concluded by saying that we can trust God confidently. We have total confidence in God. We can trust Him completely. We can trust Him constantly. We can trust Him cheerfully. And now we come to this chapter this morning here in Paul's letter to Timothy. And the chapter commences actually with a commentary on a dying world. 
And it starts out in verse 1, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And it goes on from there, giving us a commentary about a dying world. And then he continues with this comment about the living God. And he concludes here with a challenge for a life that is well spent. So many times we wonder, the world is so bad, our troubles are so terrible, life is so difficult. How can it, we be expected to live a life that is victorious? How can we be expected to go through these difficulties and trials and do all of the things that God requires of us? Well, certainly God expects that of us. He expects a life well lived and the difficulty and danger of life never excuses us from the responsibility of duty. And Paul is reminding Timothy here that he has an obligation to serve God. In fact, verse 12 says he's to be an example of the believers and goes ahead and gives a list of things here in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Not easy to live like that in a world like this. But it's possible. Here in the first part, Paul has just described here a depraved, deceived, dying world. And it's a dreadful picture of a world that makes life difficult for all of us. And then notice here, he says, we trust in the living God. We're not trusting in God's made with hands, but we're trusting in the living God. And that's what we all must do if we're going to survive and thrive. If we trust anything else, it's going to lead to defeat. It's going to lead to disappointment. It's going to lead to despair. It'll lead to death, the death of our happiness, the death of our peace. It literally will destroy us if we put our trust in anything else. So trust in God is the only way that we can be safe, the only way we can be sure, the only way that we can be satisfied, you see, because you're not tough enough to tough it out. And you're not smart enough to figure it all out. So the only sensible thing for any of us to do is to trust in the living God. We're to trust in the living God when it comes to our salvation. And Paul refers to that. Notice he says here in our text, he says that he is the Savior of all men. Amen? Now that doesn't mean all men are saved. The Bible says that He, Christ, tasted death for all men. And here He refers to Him as the Savior of all men, you see. He saves only those who believe. So faith is the one and the only means whereby anyone can be saved. So our trust in God is the only way that we can be safe. It's the only way we can be sure. The only way we can be satisfied. It's the only sensible thing to do because nothing else will save us. I mean, who, who else would you turn to? There is no one else. Who else could you trust? There is no one else that is totally trustworthy like God. And it's only God who can give those of us who are spiritually dead eternal life. So he says he is the Savior of all men. He's the only one that is able. And he's not only able, but he is willing to save whosoever. Amen? 
doesn't make any difference who you are or what you've done. doesn't make any difference how unworthy you are because we're all unworthy. There's not one person anywhere that can stand up and say, well, I'm of such great worth that God was obligated to provide for me a way out of damnation and a way unto salvation. No, it was all pure grace that caused God to make salvation available. He's the Savior of all men. He died for all. When Jesus shed His blood, He paid a price that is sufficient to save every person on this earth. But only those who have placed their faith in Him will be saved by Him. Till that happens, till you trust in the living God for your salvation, there's absolutely no hope whatsoever. We could go on, you know, talking about how we can live victoriously in this difficult world. It's all in vain. Because there's no way that I can pump you up or inform you enough, encourage you enough to enable you to be able to fight through the difficulties of life and to live victoriously if you haven't been born again. That's precisely why so many people are miserable in this world. You know, they've tried religion. They've maybe joined the church. They've gone through the baptismal waters. They even carry a Bible and maybe listen to Christian music, but they've never really been born again. And that's the one thing above everything else that we all need. The trust in the living God that saves us. But notice there's something else here. We need to trust in the living God when it comes to this matter of suffering. Because being saved is not going to exempt you from sorrow and suffering. Some of the best people suffer the worst problems. And here we find Paul writing about this. And of all people that have ever lived, surely if anyone could say, just look at my record, that ought to exempt me from any suffering, it would be Paul. Here was a man who loved God with all of his heart. He was a spiritual giant. He accomplished more for, for the cause of Christ than anybody that has ever lived other than Christ. And yet, he suffered horribly. And God told him from the very beginning, whenever he saved him on the road to Damascus, and right after that, God told him what great things he was going to have to suffer for his sake. You see, suffering is a part of life. It's not a matter of how good or how bad you are. It's just a part of life here on this earth. So we have to trust the living God if we're going to endure the suffering that comes our way. Now, don't misunderstand what Paul is saying here in this first part of our text. And, and, and understand that Paul here is giving an explanation for what he has just said. What did he just say? Well, he's talking about this this depraved, dying world that we lived in, how wicked and vile it is and how difficult it is. So he's giving an explanation for that. So he isn't saying, now be sure you get this, folks. He's not saying here that he had to labor and suffer reproach because he trusted Christ. In other words, as though his trust in Christ was the reason for his service and suffering. That's not what he's saying. I realize that in our English language you can look at that and it can seem that way, but that's not what it says at all. He is saying that he was enabled to engage in service 
and enabled to endure suffering because he was trusting in the living God. That's how he received the help that he needed. It's like he's saying, that was, this is the only way that I could endure. This is the only way that I could continuously, faithfully engage in Christian service. The only way I could keep going, keep my head above water and my feet on the rock and keep going and serving God. The only way I could do it is to trust in the living God. You see, trust in the living God not only saves us from the penalty of sin, but it also secures for us all of the blessings associated with being one of God's children. Isn't that wonderful to think of yourself as a, as a child of God, that He is your Father. And that changes absolutely everything in our life because faith in God opens the door to all of these possibilities, the possibilities to everything except that which is outside the will of God, you see. Trust in the living God. When life is difficult, when you're suffering and you don't understand, it's our trust in the living God that's going to keep us going. It can put food on the table. Really. Faith. Trust in God puts food on our table. It puts clothes on our back, shoes on our feet, a roof over our head. It's our faith in God. It's not our intelligence. It's not our energy. It's not our effort. It's through our faith in God that He promised that He would supply our needs. It gives us high hopes whenever we are at rock bottom. Have you ever been there? Sure. There are folks right here, no doubt, this morning that because of all the tribulations and trials of life, you just feel like you're on rock bottom and you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do. I want you to know we have a God that's able to lift us up out of the pit of depression. We have a God that puts a new song in our heart, even praise unto our God, you see. It's faith in the living God. Do you believe that? Faith, simple faith. Somebody says, oh, it just sounds way too easy for me. Well, what do, you, what do you want God to do? Do you want God to, you know, tell you to climb the highest mountain, swim the widest sea, jump over the stars? Well, what do you want God to do? God says, you just trust me. You trust me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when we do that, it brings a calm to the storm and peace for those that are troubled. It gives power to those that are weak and strength to those that are weary. It gives joy for those that are distraught and helps us through the most difficult times of life. And there's no doubt about that. We have the testimony of God's Word from the beginning to the end. And when you study Paul's life... You just have to stand amazed to see not what Paul can do, but what God can do through faith. The extent of his suffering far exceeds anything that I can explain. I can go through and I can read all of the verses about him being beaten, about him being shipwrecked, about him being hungry and imprisoned and all of those other things. But I can read the words, but there's no way in the world that you and I can really fully enter into the depths of His suffering because it's much more than we can imagine and it's certainly much more than most people can endure. And yet, whenever we read those final words of Paul, whenever he comes down to the end of his ministry and he says, I've 
I've fought a good fight and I've kept the faith. In in other words, when he comes down to the end, he can say, I have lived a life well lived. I've been faithful. I've been faithful unto the very end. So through all of that suffering, beyond what you and I can understand, Paul is saying, God got me through it. You see, Paul was a great man because he had great faith in a great God. And regardless of what problem you're facing or what hardship that you're suffering through, whatever it is, faith in God can get you through it. Amen? It doesn't make any difference what it is. It's never the size of our problem. It's the size of our God that makes the difference. So faith is needed when it comes to the matter of salvation. Faith is needed when it comes to the matter of suffering. So many times, you know, we think, well, I'm suffering this or that. What It might be a physical malady of some kind. It might be emotional trauma. It might be the loss of a loved one. It might be the loss of a job. It might be some great difficulty. And we don't understand it and we can't explain it. We have no earthly idea why God dropped this bombshell on us. And here it is and we can't get away from it. And we wonder what to do. And finally we reason, well, I'll just trust God. And so many times we in our mind reason that, well, if I just put my trust in God, God's going to make it all better and make it all go away. And the pain level remains. The size of the bank account remains. Listen, trust in God doesn't mean that God's going to turn around and give you anything and everything you want or even expect. Paul suffered. Paul went to God in prayer three times. He said, I prayed, Lord, remove this thorn. And the Lord said, no, I'm not going to do it. But I'll make you a deal, Paul. I'll give you enough grace to bear it. That's what we need. We need the grace to get through whatever we're going through. And it's through our trust in the living God that we find the grace that is sufficient for every trial in life. But there's even more. We also need faith in the living God, not only when it comes to salvation, not only when it comes to suffering, we need it whenever it comes to service. Trust in God not only brings us blessings, but it makes us a blessing. In other words, it makes us useful. And and it does that by making the impossible possible. Whenever you look back at the record of Saul of Tarsus, And you think, you know, here is a religious fanatic, a nut, going around persecuting Christians. Here is a man, there's no hope for a man like this. A man who is steeped in the religion of the ancient Jews and has no concern for Christ whatsoever. And you would think, well, you might as well not waste your time with a man like that. And there on the road to Damascus, boy, God struck him down. And God there introduced himself in a way that Paul had never seen before. And he became a child of God. And from that moment on, Paul said, Paul said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? You know, he, he could have said, Lord, I'm so thankful you saved me. I'm just, I just can't wait to get a long list of all of the blessings that I'll enjoy as the result of you saving me. Now, there are those benefits, by the way. 
But the first thing here Paul says is, Lord, what will thou have me to do? What do you want me to do? What's next on the list? What's first on the list? And boy, whenever you think about starting out where he was in a situation like that, and to think about evangelizing a people that has such a deep-seated hatred for Christianity, how can you ever be successful like, like that? And yet Paul was. What seemed impossible was made possible by the fact that Paul's trust was in the living God. And he's the one that wrote his God that worketh in you both to what? To will and what? And to do. God puts the willingness, that is the desire in your heart. And God gives you the ability to do it. Now notice that Paul speaks here about labor. Labor is a lot like work except a whole lot more of it. Labor is working to the point of exhaustion. In other words, labor is putting everything you've got into what you do. And that's noteworthy, by the way, because when we consider these terrible times that we live in that he describes here in these first three verses of this chapter here, there's no doubt about it, a lesser man would have just given up. We just thrown in the towel, just said there's no, you know, there's no way, there's no hope, there's no use. I, I, you know, I, I, Lord, I'll, I'll do what I worship you every Sunday. I'll give the tithe. I'll do this and I'll do that. But Lord, there's no way that I'm going to march out there in the face of all of this rebellion and resentment and go out there and risk my life trying to reach people that that hate you, hate you so much that they crucified you on the cross. So how in the world, how in the world does a man serve God at a time like that? How do we serve God today faithfully, you know, in the face of all of our difficulties? It's not just, you know, persecution from without. Thank God those of us in America, we don't have to really worry about that so much, do we? Not yet anyway. It's coming, but not right now. But I'll tell you, there are a lot of other things that have a way of distracting us and dragging us down. I look out over this congregation and I see so many people that are wrestling with physical difficulties, problems, and you know, and you're getting older every day, and that makes it more difficult to deal with. And so, how do you keep going? How do you keep going? Well. You keep your eyes on the Lord. I believe it was Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews. A lot of people debate that. I'm convinced it was Paul. And it was Paul, you'll remember, that there in chapter 12 and verse 1, he talks about us running the race, you know, laying aside the sin that does so easily beset us, you know, getting rid of everything that's going to be a hindrance to us. And then he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith author and finisher, looking unto him. And the very next verse, he says, for consider him. Consider him. That means keep your focus on him. And the reason, he said in the last part of verse 3, lest ye grow weary and faint in your minds. You see, it's when we get our eyes off of the Lord and we start looking at the difficulties and we lose sight of the Lord and what He's able to do, that's when we fail. And Paul is letting Timothy know that the only way for you to to be saved, the only way to endure suffering, the only way that you can engage faithfully in Christian service is for you to put your trust 
in the living God. Now, you make a statement like that, and I started to introduce the message by talking about, you know, the difficulties that are common to all of us. And and I thought about just asking the question, if I could give you the solution to all of those difficulties, you know, how to deal with them, how to cope with them, how to survive in spite of them, how to thrive regardless. If I could give you the answer to that, would you be interested? Well, I suspect everybody would have raised their hand and said, oh, yeah, boy, I'm interested in that. I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to get through this because sometimes, let's face it, life just seems overwhelming. It seems like there's no way that we can make it. Sure, we would be interesting. And then it's easy for me to say, well, I've got the answer. I've got the, I mean, I don't have the answer, but I know what the answer is. The answer is what? Trust in the living God. But somebody says, that just sounds so simple. That sounds too easy. In other words, they think that there ought to be more to it than that. They think that, you know, that surely we've got to do something else. But look, folks, there isn't. There isn't. Bottom line, this is the only solution to our difficulties in life. It's the only thing that will keep your marriage together. The only thing that gets you off your sickbed. The only thing that put food on the table. The only thing that will supply your needs is faith in the living God. Faith works because faith works. It's active. In other words, it changes who you are and what you do. James went to great length about that, that a faith without works is dead being alone. You talk about having faith in God and don't do anything. You don't have faith in God. It's exactly why a lot of people can't cope with the difficulties of life. They'll, they'll tell you they have faith in God, but all the evidence is stacked against them because there is no evidence proving that they have faith in God. If you're not obeying God, you don't have faith in God. They go together, folks. Faith in God, simply believing that God is who He claimed and that He'll do what He said that He would do. You see, it's more its more than just positive thinking. It's more than having high hopes during difficult times. It's claiming the promises that God has made. Faith is the means whereby we received what we need. Think about that. It is the means. In other words, it is like a channel from whence all of His blessings flow down to us. Remember when Paul's talking about salvation, he says, For by grace are you saved, what? Through, through, through faith. It's like a channel. It is a means whereby your faith doesn't save you. The Lord saves you, but faith is the channel whereby salvation is possible. And whether it's, whether it's strength that we need for service or whether it is the, the strength we need to go through suffering, whatever the difficulty in life is, the solution is the same in every situation. It's faith in the living God. The great thing about this is that, you know, if we're lacking faith in God, we can do something about it because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Trust in the living God. Paul said, we both labor and suffer. 
We labor and we suffer. But Paul, how can you bear up under all of that? How, how, can, how can you bear up under the load of starting churches in all of these different cities? How can you endure such great suffering and keep going? And he says, because we trust in the living God. If it worked for Paul, it'll work for you. Don't you dare mark it off just because to your natural mind that it sounds too simple. There's nothing in the world more serious than this matter of having faith in God because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. Do you want to please God this morning? You say, well, I, sure I do. Are you saved? Because the Bible says, you know, that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The thing that would please God this morning is for you to trust Jesus Christ and to be saved. And if you are saved, if you're going to live for the Lord, you're going to have to trust the Lord. That's the only way that you can endure the suffering of life, the only way that you can engage in, in Christian service and be faithful till the very end. Just simply trusting in God. Will you, you trust Him this morning? You know, I, over the years, and Brother Kenneth knows exactly what I mean. Somebody will say, Preacher, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you about a problem I've got. And naturally, we want to help people the best that we can and offer whatever advice that we can give them and encourage them and pray for them, sure. But, you know, 99% of the time, it all boils down to the fact that what they need more than anything else is a strong, confident faith in God, just believing that if they'll do what God commands, that God will do what He promised Amen. He's, the, that, he's that kind of God. He never lies and He cannot fail. And He loves you so much He gave heaven's best. Would you trust Him this morning as your Savior? And if you're already saved and you're going through some deep waters and difficult situations, would you this morning say, Lord, forgive me for not trusting You. I've been, I've been fearful. I've been worried. I, I've just I've worried myself sick over these difficulties in my life. And Lord, I, I'm, I, I'm tired of that. It hadn't got me anywhere. It's just made things worse. I'm just going to turn it all over to you. I'm going to trust you to do whatever you want to do. Do whatever pleases you, Lord, and that'll be good enough for me. And you, listen, you get that kind of an attitude in your heart and you'll be amazed at what God does in your life. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, how thankful we are this morning to look at the record of the things that you've done in years gone by. We look back through the Bible and we think about all of the great miracles that encourage us so much. But then, Lord, we think about not only that, but we think about the experiences we've had in our own life of the times whenever we wondered how we'd ever get through a certain situation, and yet you delivered just like you promised. And, Lord, this morning there are folks here that are hurting, folks that are confused, folks that are discouraged, 
folks with great needs. And I just pray this morning that you'll just help them. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us of our lack of faith. Give us a strong faith in a living God. May we trust you with everything this morning that you might accomplish your will in our lives and and make us a blessing to others that they'll discover the greatness of our God. For we beg it in his name. Amen. While we stand and as we sing this morning, if God's speaking to your heart about something, would you come? Think about what you're saying. Ask yourself if you're really being honest. sometimes to admit to be honest and confess and admit that I'm just really failing in my faith my faith is really lacking that I haven't been trusting God like I should you know if if we had just robbed somebody and got caught or maybe somebody saw us out here and we're drunker than a skunk and they see us and So suddenly we're caught in that or whatever the particular sin might be. And, you know, it's one thing because we've been caught to say, you know, I I, I confess, boy, I I really messed up. I've really failed God. I've done wrong and, and I want to make it right. But when it comes down to the matter of faith, just simple faith in God, because of the pride that's in our heart. That's why there'll never be a revival, never be a revival unless we humble ourselves. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, that's where it begins, right there, with an attitude of humility that Lord, and you'll remember the disciples said, Lord, you know, increase our faith. They confessed the fact that their faith had failed. And it might be this morning that the reason that you're struggling in life with something is simply because it's not the circumstances. It's a lack of confidence in what God can do in your life. And so I just pray you don't have to say anything to me. But even right where you are or sometime today, I hope you'll just get alone with God and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I dishonored you by treating you like you're not trustworthy. You'll be glad you did. Let's sing one more verse, Tim.